Hey, live streamers, welcome aboard. We are doing a, we haven't done a live stream in a little bit, but I'm thrilled that we are going to be talking to someone who, well, the numbers may not lie. We may have on the single most popular host of any of the Locked On Baseball shows. And he is so popular that people have asked, am I afraid to put him on? Well, do you know what? I'm conquering my fears, folks. We're bringing on Ryan Finkelstein of Locked On Mets to talk about what can only be described as a perfectly normal offseason. This is Locked On MLB. You are Locked On MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Locked On MLB. Where's my mic? Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it is your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all of Major League Baseball. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. If you don't believe me, there's my lower third. Feel free to call me Sully. I am an Emmy-nominated television producer who is beginning his fifth season as a host here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. I have been a baseball podcaster for well over a decade, but I brought myself here to be part of the Lockdown. There's really no other way to put it, family. Um, you can follow us at Lockdown MLB Pods on Instagram and on Twitter. I'm your pal Sully. I'm on Twitter at Sully Baseball, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram, or be sure to subscribe us. Subscribe to us. I I left out a word there. I sounded like Frankenstein. Make sure to subscribe us on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts and tell your smart device to play podcasts locked on MLB or check out some of the other great shows of the Lockdown Podcast Network like, oh, I don't know. Ryan Finkelstein's Locked On Mets. And Ryan, welcome back to the show. It's been a while. It's been too long. How you doing, buddy? Doing great. Thank you for having me. Thank you for that intro in the beginning. I, I appreciate that. I was a little, uh, I don't know, shy about it. I, I don't, I don't like uh, all that praise, but I do appreciate it. And then you said five seasons for you. I was counting for myself. I'm like, wait a minute. This is year five for me, too. So a uh, big year for us over at Locked On MLB. You know what they say, third time's the charm. Um, <laughs> I got to say one thing. Um, I've been I, I've been make, making no bones about it. I've been trying to get on each host of the Lockdown Podcast Network to appear at least once uh, in this offseason, first of all, because I want to get everyone's point of view, everyone's take. This is a uh, kind of a flagship show. But also, um, I, you know, I don't want anyone to say, you never talk about us. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you something. I oddly have received more than one angry uh tweet youtube comment uh instagram comment saying why haven't you had ryan finkelstein of the lockdown mets show and they usually came on like uh, once was after i had on ethan from lockdown pirates and someone said no one cares about the pirates why won't you have ryan finkelstein on and i just wanted to dispel any rumors it's not because you and i are having a just a nasty feud uh, no. and, I just, and I'm not afraid to have you on. Um, it's just you and I have been playing sort of uh, email tag, tag yeah. the last month, and it just hasn't, you know, it hasn't worked out uh, scheduling-wise. But uh, I'm not afraid. 
I'm not afraid to have you on. Yeah, I, I took I took about a two and a half week vacation uh, in December, so I was yeah. I was doing audio only shows, so I couldn't be a guest on any podcast. So so you definitely asked me uh, before this, and whoever uh, has been asking for me, I'm glad I'm here now. But uh, don't take it out on Sully. It was it was just scheduling issues. But I here wasn't we are. asking you; I was begging you. Yes, that's what, that's exactly you. it. You were you were giving me the Heisman. You're absolutely yeah. the Heisman. Well, I'm I'm kind of glad I had you on on now. I had uh, Ben Kaspik of Locked On Giants on in that perfect window of opportunity where he thought he had Carlos Correa playing for his team. I could have had you on for that perfect opportunity where you thought you were going to have him on the team. I think I had H Town on when he thought he was coming back to the Astros. I mean, like everybody. I mean, that maybe I just should have gone down all 30 teams and discuss whether or not they're going to sign Carlos Correa. Um, uh, it looks like he passed the physical. Yep. So, uh, you know, third time's a charm with him. He's heading back to the Twins. Um, and uh, what what is your thought on the Mets being dragged into this whole Correa uh, fiasco? And I guess thinking the Giants didn't do their due diligence when they said, oh, you didn't sign him, we'll sign him. To, and they, what, what was your take on what was happening there with – the Correa to the Mets, not with the Mets or wherever. I think this is kind of the the perfect example of, you know, Steve Cohen's effect here where, you know, he gets the call from Scott Boris and he just dives in and it, it almost felt like a contract was negotiated. And like Billy Epler was maybe let in like the 11th hour. Oh yeah. By the way, I'm going to spend $315 million on Carlos Correa. And I'm sure Epler's like, well, if you want to Steve, I mean, by all means, it makes us better it's it's a, a crazy three weeks i mean i was talking to javi today i was like yeah i did three weeks of carlos correa content that is now all you know rendered useless but it, it worked out and you know at the end of the day i think howie rose actually said it best the voice of the mets he said you know the mets basically bought an exclusive negotiating window with correa you know by agreeing to it we'll see if there's any ramifications from steve cohen speaking a little bit too soon on it but you know, they jumped in. They had a chance to, to sign him. They got scared by the medicals. I, I think the, the bottom line with this signing or now not signing is they never really needed Carlos Correa. They already right. had a complete offseason. So, yes, it would have put them over the top. They would have probably been the clear-cut favorite. But I still think they're in that same tier with the Dodgers, with the Padres, with the Braves, where they're ready to contend this season. And you, just, you have Eduardo Escobar as your third baseman. That Many teams would like that. And they got Brett Beatty, a top prospect, waiting in the wings. So I think they're fine, but it is a little bit just disappointing when you thought that you had another superstar coming. Yeah, I mean, I think it – I mean, in a weird way, it was almost like it was was on the verge of being overkill. You yeah. Know, um, it almost yeah. reminded me of when the Yankees acquired A-Rod when they already had uh, – you know, when they already had Jeter – and it was kind of go, well, and it was almost to be, uh, not almost to be, it was to be a middle finger to the Red Sox, who were at the time desperately trying to make a deal to bring in Alex Rodriguez to Boston. And it was like, oh, now we got him, and we'll move him over to third. We don't care. Ha! And there was almost a sense that this was the Mets saying, hey, it doesn't matter if we could use him or not. Uh, you know, he's a great player, and we'll find a place for him. I remember when the Red Sox had their previous awful ownership uh and for anyone complaining about this red sox ownership and it is it isn't on their best 
looking their best right now. But they used to have the horrible Yawkeys running the team and the Yawkey Trust. And they had a chance in 1990 to acquire Willie McGee, who at the time was the National League, led the league in hitting in the National League. And the GM of the Red Sox famously say, where would we play him? And uh, the A's, who didn't have a spot for him either, uh, acquired him because you acquire a star player. And, of course, Willie McGee got several key hits against the Red Sox in that year's postseason. Uh, when you have a chance to get a generation I, – and I said this when I was talking about uh, Machado and Harper sort of dying on the free agent vine a few years ago, and then the two teams that gobbled them up are now two of the elite teams in the National League after being irrelevant forever. When you have a chance to get an elite talent, sign them. Yeah. Get them. If you say, and that's kind of the mentality that the Mets had. Was, well, whether or not we could use Carlos Correa, this is a potential Hall of Famer. Um, let's go for it. It's just money. Yeah, it is. And, and when you said overkill, it's funny because – when, because at the 11th hour before we signed with the Giants, the Mets like hopped into the mix. Like, is this going to happen? And then very quickly, it was probably leverage. And then the Giants deal happened and then it all fell apart. But at the time, I was thinking, yeah, I don't really want Correa on the Mets. It did feel like overkill. I do believe very strongly in Brett Beatty as a prospect. Mm-hmm. And then it happens and you get them. And then you, you immediately like flip a switch. And you're like, oh, well, they got them now. This is awesome. And you talk yourself into it. Because, like you said, it's a star talent and you look at the Mets books and now they have Nimmo in place and they have Edwin Diaz. But prior to this off season, it was pretty much just Lindor when it came to long-term money. So you could talk yourself into, all right, two of them, same side of the infield, good friends. The defense would have been incredible. Uh, you know, it was definitely a luxury signing, but you also, you know, were, were imagining what it would look like. And so in some ways, I think perception of the Mets now is going to be that they took a step back. But again, if we look at the entire scope of their offseason, they're fine. Yeah, and I think right now, with the kind of offseason they had, even and we're going to talk in the next segment about some of the additions and some of the and some of the losses that happened. But I think it's just a surefire bet that the Mets are going to be right in there for any postseason discussion. If you're going to make any bets, go to Bet Online. Bet Online remains your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football to the Stanley Cup to the NBA to college basketball, men and women. They got it all at betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can find those on BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline is where the game starts. We were here with the extraordinarily popular Ryan Finkelstein. Um, by the way, I want to just uh, give a couple of, I hate using the term shout outs, but there's really uh, no other way to say it. Um, the Panorama Jazz Band and Panorama Brass Club uh, has been uh, texting and commenting like crazy. Talk about his beloved Orioles. How you doing, buddy? Uh, George Cook, 2026. Uh, talks about how he loves the conversations I have and the and that he and his son listen to the show all the time. So I'm going to make sure, you know, clean up your act there, Ryan. I don't want to hear any more swearing or anything like that. Um, and, hey, uh, uh, David Samuel Blaine, who is a regular listener and a regular contributor for comments here on the chat. Uh, let's just see what he has to say about it. Uh, he says the Mets are better off without Correa. 
Well, it's tough to argue against the fact that uh, they never played a game with Correa, so I was not completely sure how he fit in or everything like that. But I, uh, the one question I have before we get into the um, the the Mets offseason, did you buy a Correa jersey, and do you expect to see many at the stadium? Uh, I, I imagine there'll be some, right? There, there's got to be some people that did it, and, and the irony of it, it almost makes it cooler, in my opinion, to have a Carlos Correa Mets jersey. You know, it's kind of like the the few that might have. I, I don't know what other players are like that. Even when you have the guy that was barely with the team, you know, Javi Baez. I have a Jonathan VR jersey, uh, which is a story for another day from one of my uh, – it was a long-running joke for, for me a couple years ago. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that there will be a few jerseys. I do not have one, and also to – to kind of comment on the Mets are better off without Correa. I did an entire podcast with that title today, basically just speaking to the fact that this is a team that will continue to spend. They might sign Machado next off season. It just keeps them in the game for other big signings. And I think Brett Beatty is a, a prospect that people can really look at and think that he might be the answer at third base anyway. Right. Well, let's take a look. Cause it's been in terms of the off season, it's been a little bit of whiplash for me. Uh, and this is not even as a Met fan. Uh, and I don't dislike the Mets. I'd like to see the Mets do well. You hate our team, by the way. And this is, I want to reiterate, this is an official policy of the Lockdown Podcast Network, that yes, I hate your team, specifically you. And yes, I am working to say things that are biased against your team and biased for the team you hate. And that cows for all 30 teams. All Across the board. Teams. I am biased against all 30 teams and clearly in favor of all 30 teams' chief rival. Um, you take a look at their uh, their offseason. Obviously, they had the Correa situation where they didn't retain Correa. Um, they also lost the beloved Jacob deGrom. Um, I'll talk about that in a second. Some of the additions, obviously, and they retained Brandon Nimmo to a long extension. They retained Edwin Diaz to a long extension. Uh, they brought in, and uh, and they had Adovino last year. I'm not going yes. crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Adovino, they they swiped David Robertson from the Phillies. Uh, Jose Quintana arrived from St. Louis. Uh, how do you, is it Kodai Senga? How do you pronounce the dude's name? Yeah, yeah, Kodai Senga, yep. Kodai Senga, uh, five-year deal. And, oh, yeah, Justin Verlander signed for two years and all the money that is ever existed in humanity. Um, So a lot of people, some people stayed, a couple people left, one kind of kicked the tires, and one Hall of Famer is hoping that he could be matched with his former teammate and have one more Cy Young season in his arm. Um, What are your thoughts about this team that, uh, you know, had a – had except for the final two weeks of the season, everything seemed to go right for this team. Um, how are you feeling about it? Well, I mean, you look at the offensive side of things, they haven't really done much, but I don't think they had to. There was only one free agent on the offensive side that was Nemo. They brought him back. They swap Omar Nervaez for James McCann. Nice little, little bump in production there. And I think the prospects are going to really carry the offense. The pitching staff, I like it a lot more. Um, you know, Justin Verlander, Jacob deGrom. I mean, I can go on and on about how much I love Jacob deGrom. It gutted me as a fan to, to see him leave. Uh, you know, I still like watch back his, when he returns to the mound after being injured all year and you see 
uh, the the truck for SNY did such a good job, like really slow playing his entrance with Simple Man. And as a fan that watched him since 2014, you get caught up in the emotion of it. But then when you remove yourself from it, Justin Verlander is the reigning AL Cy Young. I mean, you can't tell me that is a step down. I think Kodai Senga is a higher upside play than Chris Bassett was. Bassett, I think, a little bit better floor. But I think the rotation is about the same, maybe a little bit better because you can count on Verlander more than DeGrom. Um, but the bullpen, I actually like a lot more. I think that's the place where they improve the most. To get Robertson in there, to bring Adovino back, to make the trade for Brooks Raley, I really like what they've done there. Obviously, retaining Diaz was was the, the cornerstone they had to start with, but I think this pitching staff is in great shape heading into spring training, and I really don't think they have to do anything else, honestly. I think this team's ready to go. I think one thing, and I talked about this before, um, yes, when DeGrom has been healthy and was a 200-some-odd inning guy, he was the best pitcher in baseball, certainly the two years he won the Cy Young Award. Uh, in 2018, he just had a classic old-school ace season. Forget about win-loss record. Always forget about win-loss record. That doesn't tell you a darn thing. Um, and we saw last year that when he is healthy, he's great. But he's never healthy. I mean, he, he's been missing... He hasn't, I mean, yeah, he only beat 12 starts in the, the COVID season. That doesn't count. We've had two straight years. He, he has 26 starts combined in the last two years. And, you know, because he came up as this young, great phenom, in some of our heads, we're still thinking about him as this super young pitcher. He's going to be 35 this year. Yeah. And the days of pitchers who, you know, and again, he's, you know, the, you know, Verlander and Scherzer are older pitchers who are, but they've shown, you know, the Tommy John surgery, notwithstanding for Scherzer, I'm not sure for, for Verlander. Um, they've shown more durability than DeGrom. And I, you know, it'd be great if you got 25 to 30 starts from DeGrom that's phenomenal, except the fact it's like, okay, over how many seasons are you going to get those 25 starts? Um, I, I re- I've always felt you're better off cutting ties with a player a year too early than a year too late. And I think that all, despite all the love and the homegrown and everything like that, multiple Cy Young Awards, he's going to break down on Texas's dime and not on the Mets's dime. And while it's not my money um, – you could understand why they wouldn't commit. I understand why they wouldn't commit to that kind of uh, money for DeGrom, no matter what he did for the team. Yeah. And I think that, you know, the one place that I would say that you could look at this and say, okay, it's a step back is when healthy in a playoff situation, Jacob DeGrom is the guy that you want, but that's such a big if, and you have to get to the playoffs. I really think this is what the Mets wanted all along. A couple things that make me say that one they offer him a three-year deal. It came in at less than what they gave Scherzer. To me, that is a little bit indicative of, you know, I always felt when they signed Scherzer that the starting point on a three-year contract had to be at least the 130 that he got. Very quickly, when DeGrom's off the table, they gave Verlander the exact average annual value on his two-year deal. So that's that's the first thing. We've heard that, you know, Justin Verlander hit it off with Steve Cohen. We also heard that Jacob DeGrom wanted no part of talking with Steve Cohen. I think that's a big deal in this. I think that they they presented him a good enough offer so that they could say, look, oh, we tried, but they never wanted to go beyond three years. 
The Rangers built their offseason around DeGrom. It's the right spot for him. I, I hope that he can prove healthy. I hope that it ends up being a great deal for Texas. But from the Mets' perspective, this was a, an absolute slam dunk for them. You, you get a pitcher on a two-year deal who's coming off of Cy Young and a guy that just threw 175 innings compared to a guy that threw, I don't even know, definitely less than 100. Yeah, and I think that one thing that I, I think the timing of it went very well for the Mets in that there was the gut punch of losing a beloved player and then almost immediately we're signing into Verlander. It's like, all right, you know, this is not business as usual. This is not your typical Mets. We are being super aggressive. And they're doing it knowing that their fan base is really, really hungry to have a victory. And also they're getting a little they're getting a little edgy. They don't want to have another year where they had great highlights. I remember the game where they were losing 8-1 to the Phillies and they rallied. I mean, there's some great, great games that happened this year. But, you know, they're tired of walking off on in October with their heads down. You know, that this is, you know, they need, my cousin Dave is the one of the biggest Met fans I know. He remembered watching, as a kid, watching 69, but mainly remember 73. And even he is saying, I'm tired of the 86 Mets. We need to talk about a new team now. You know, everybody yeah. in the 86 Mets, I think, uh, you know, Randy Neiman has a book at this point. It doesn't, anyone who pitched a little bit with that team, you got themselves a book deal. Um, let's just quickly talk about, they have added a lot to their pitching depth. You know, obviously Verlander is the biggest and making sure Diaz is there for the long hold. But Quintana showed really great uh, moments last year. Adovino is, you know, relief depth. And Robertson, while he's no longer the all-star caliber pitcher, was got a key save in the World Series and is someone who could uh, be a valuable contributor. And having that pitching depth so often is the name of the game for a deep October run. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I think Robertson was such a nice move because not only is it, you know, another guy that you slot into to the back end to get, you know, seventh inning, eighth inning outs, but he's got so much closer experience I think you like him more as the guy that can kind of supplant Edwin Diaz when needed, as opposed to Adam Adovino. You can kind of maybe keep Adovino as more your locked-in eighth-inning guy, and then Robertson can can really have a, a Swiss Army knife type role in that bullpen. I, I love the bullpen, and then you know the decision essentially was we want Kodai Senga and Jose Quintana instead of Bassett and Taiwan Walker. And when you saw the contract that Taiwan Walker got with the Phillies, and then you compare it to the Quintana deal, two years, twenty-six million. I love that contract. I mean, if if he goes back to being the guy he was prior to last year, he's only on your books for one more season. The Mets are really trying to focus in on this two to three year window. They've done that with pretty much all of these deals. And Senga's a big wild card. I mean, Senga might be the biggest X factor from the pitching side on this team. You know, there's ace, you know, potential. There's thought that he could be that good, but he's also, uh, you know, we never really know what these guys are going to be like until we see him you know, in big league action. So I'm excited to see what he looks like. And I think that if he is like Tanaka's first year with the Yankees and you can roll out Scherzer, Verlander, and Senga's that good, I mean, this has a chance to be the best rotation in baseball. It really does. Well, we are here with Ryan Finkelstein of Locked on Mets. Uh, while you were off on vacation, I did my annual uh, suffering index where I determine which fan bases are suffering the most. I have a, a, a formula 
um, which involves keeping into account things like years waiting for a World Series, years waiting for a pennant, um, number of do-or-die games lost, number of do-or-die games won, number of hundred lost seasons since the last World Series title and everything. Um, Of the Mets are in the top 10 of most suffering fan bases. The only ones ahead of them, and these are all through my stats. This is the Mariners, the Orioles, the Padres, the Rangers, the A's, the Brewers, the Pirates, and Cleveland are the only teams that, that rank higher. Uh, the A's went through the roof because of all the do-or-die games they've won, either Game 5 of the Division Series or one-game playoffs that they've lost since 89. Uh, the Guardians are going on their seven. This is the Diamond Jubilee, 75 years since winning a World Series, and count them eight, eight, eight do or die games lost, including two game sevens of the World Series and in extra innings. But the Mets don't knock them out. Uh, not only has it been 37 years since they've won a World Series title, but the Mets have lost four do or die games along the way since uh, winning the 86 World Series. Um, that would be the 1988 NLCS, the 2006 NLCS, the 2016 wildcard game, and last year's game four of the wildcard series. Those are four that, um, and that does, and keep in mind, that game does not, that listing does not count Kenny Rogers walking Andrew Jones with the base loaded. That, that when you know, that's, that's the suffering there. I, I'm not saying this to rub the, the salt in the wound. I'm saying this because I was having a conversation with someone about this. You could be a long-suffering New York sports fan. Oh, yeah. There are, you know, there's this notion of New Yorkers, you know, won't accept anything but a winner. Well, then they're not an accepting lot. If you are a a Jets, a Knicks, a Mets, and either an Islanders or Rangers fan, you are uh, crawling under your bed crying uh most days and i think steve cohen understands that and understands that if he delivers a winner then that will buy so much goodwill that it it will one winner will last will give him a lifetime of goodwill do you think i'm off base in that or am i uh am i on to something i think you're spot on i think that you know, I, I saw something that his his earnings from this past year on his hedge fund was like a one point seven billion. So, you know, the money doesn't matter to him. This is his you know premier toy that he loves to play with, and this is a team that he loved. And you know, he made that essential promise three to five years they're going to win a World Series, which was <laughs> courageous in some ways because baseball it's not easy to win. You can have the Mets can win one hundred and ten games each year for the next three seasons of that window. And they could never make it to the NLCS. I mean, we've seen the Dodgers kind of be proof of that. But he's all in on this team. I think he's all in on spending every single you know dime into every facet of the organization where they want to have a farm system, player development. Every every week we hear about some new driveline hire that they've brought in. They're trying to be cutting edge so that the team doesn't have to always have a four hundred million dollar payroll. But he's looking for a winner, and if they win a World Series. It's mayhem, and I think you're already seeing kind of the growth uh, 
of the franchise the last couple of years. I'm sure they're a lot more valuable now than they were when Steve Cohen bought the team. Not that he's ever going to sell it. And yeah, if I, I think the, the the thing that when it comes to a misery index as a, as a long time suffering Mets fan, you now know with Steve Cohen, there might be a bad year, but very rarely are the Mets going to have to go through some long period of struggle. They're going to be trying to win each and every year. And that is so refreshing after the Wilpon era. Yeah. And I, I, again, I can only compare this to the, you know, what the Red Sox did in 04, where at one point they just said, we just got to push all the chips in and win now because this, this fan base is going to have a nervous breakdown. And I, I think the, you know, especially after what happened in 2021, where they were in first place for most of the year, and then they finished sub 500. And then this year, they're just, they're just, you know, this last year, so many things went right, but then the final weeks, everything seemed to have the rug pulled. They're like, we can't have this anymore. All this would be prologue if they yeah. win it all. And I think that they understand that. And it's what I want owners to be like, to be like, hey, this is my toy. Don't complain about Steve Cohen. Steve Cohen should be the model for a sports owner to say, I'm going to do everything I can to win because my fans want a winner. And I'm not a Met fan. I w- I'd like to see the win. I know so many Met fans who are, you know, who are just diehard fans. But, you know, every fan base wants to have Steve Cohen be their owner, in my humble opinion. 100%. Uh, you couldn't have said it better. It's it's been so amazing to to go through that that change and you know there, a lot of times I'll still have kind of my previous mindset like yeah that's not possible they couldn't they couldn't sign Verlander and they sign him or they couldn't do this or that so it's it's an exciting team uh, and I don't the whole notion that I, I think someone put out there at the Mets win the World Series that they bought a championship I so said what? on my show yeah they did they bought one who yeah. cares who Thanks. cares yeah. I did a whole show called let's take the stigma away of buying a championship. Yeah. Especially in this sport, especially in this sport. You know, that's what you want. That's the owner's job to say, I got billions of dollars. I'm going to spend it on a winner. Yep. Great. Great. 100%. It's still a winner. But Andita was also a winner. Ryan Finkelstein is still a winner. And he is our guest here on this locked on MLB locked on Mets crossover by the way thanks so much for making locked on mlb your first listen every day your second listen, well have it be locked on mets third listen have that be locked on mlb prospects host lindsey crosby he's a prospect encyclopedia and he's going deep on the mlb stars of tomorrow it's free and available where you get your podcast and speaking about getting podcasts ryan where can people listen to your great and overwhelmingly popular show uh, you can find us on YouTube, wherever you get your podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Finkelstein Ryan. You can follow the show at Locked On Mets. All right, you can follow us at Locked On MLB Pods on Twitter and Instagram. I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter. Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Giving the people what they want, which is a Locked On MLB, Locked On Mets crossover with Ryan Finkelstein. I am the host of Locked On MLB, Paul Francis Sullivan. This has been Locked On MLB for the 11th day of January 2023. I already said my name, so just call me Sully.